Welcome to the Novel Universe with Dawn and Ashley, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. Hey everybody and welcome to the Novel Universe. Uh, We are going to be discussing A Song of Wraiths and Ruin by Roseanne A. Brown. This is a debut novel um, and we're super excited to talk about it today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, summary. You want me to do the summary? Sure, you can do one. All right, because I'm just going to say some stuff. I'm not going to read it. Or should I read it? Oh, no. You could do whichever. I was like, like, I could read it as well if you would like. The summary is super long and super detailed. I'm really glad I read the summary after I read the book because I was like, oh, this is full of spoilers. A hundred percent. It's terrible how much there's spoilers in this. So if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't read the book because you're listening to see if you should read the book, don't read the summary because it's going to be full of spoilers. So. All right. I'm going to summarize the summary. Yeah. Okay, so this is about uh, Karina and Malik. And from what I gather, I do not know the story of Aladdin, but apparently it's kind of a Aladdin if they had to kill each other, apparently. So just think about that. But Karina is the crown princess of Zaran, and Malik is a lower uh, member of the community. He's an Eshron, and they are like the lowest on the totem pole. His sister gets taken, and the only way to get him back is to kill the princess. Meanwhile, the princess has to kill a lover to do something that I'm not going to say because it's kind of spoilery. They have to meet each other and kill each other to get something, pretty much, what the story's about. Oh, yeah. All right. (laughs) So what'd you give it? Okay, so I gave it a four. Okay. Or I would not. Um, I wouldn't give it a five, and I will explain like a couple things as to why I wouldn't give it a five, like for me personally. But mm-hmm. I think I would say a solid four. I enjoyed listening to the audio more than reading it. I think if I would have read this book, I probably might have been a lower rating. Okay. I listened to it as well, and I actually had to. I also had the book and I had to kind of go back to the book because it was a little confusing for me. So I I don't think either one may would make or break the book. Um, But yeah. Okay. So I think this is the first podcast where we disagree. So this is going to be a great debate (laughs) because I, I'm technically giving this book a two, but I would really give it a one and a half. I literally enjoyed nothing about this book. Um, and I feel bad because we are recording this. It is June 2020. We are in the middle of basically a second civil rights movement. And one of the things that is happening is pushing 
Black people in all professional capacity, and that includes the book community. And I feel really bad. I am Black, by the way. Dawn, I'm Black. I feel really bad about giving a Black author a lower rating because, I don't know, I just, I feel bad about that. But at the same time, I can't give a high rating to a book that I didn't enjoy. So... Instead, I'm going to recommend four books by Black people that I did enjoy (laughs) and to kind of like make up for the fact that I'm about to shit all over this book. Sorry. (laughs) So I will recommend Not So Pure and Simple by Lamar Giles, Slay by Brittany, um, I was about to say Brittany Murphy. That is not her name. Um, Brittany Morris, (laughs) Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender, and Black Girl Unlimited by Echo Brown. So those are books that I would recommend. They are own voices. They are written by Black authors. All right. Let's get into our dislikes. Yeah. I didn't realize that you were not going to like this. I hated every second of this book. No, Dawn. I really did. Uh, Well, I think I could... I'll start first with my first dislike. Um, There is a lot of weird pacing that's probably like my biggest critique is because the first half of the book I was like oh lord what is happening what why is you know it's just very slow and then it's very quick in some areas and then the last like like five to six chapters are like boom 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 and all of these things are happening there's all these pot, plot twists and like backstabbing and all this other stuff going on. And you're like, what? What just happened? And like this whole uh, plot, like there was issues with, with the plot, I think. And that's why the pacing was was off is because we were supposed to have this focus on this competition, right? Where the, all of these competitors are coming in and um, they're fighting for the right to win the princess's hand in marriage. And then whoever wins, it's like their, their God is who they then are served or who then serves them for the next however many, 50 years or whatever it is. Um, and I just, I don't know. There was like some weird pacing going on with that. And I was not a huge fan because I was like, I thought this was a competition. Is it not a competition? Are we trying to save a sister? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> And that right there is my major dislike. That right there. So I, in my opinion, this book suffers from doing too much itis. Um, This author needed a better editor to tell her you need to keep your plot simple. Because there was like the Eshron were being discriminated against. The grandma was up to some shenanigans. There's and there's a stole the Solstatia. I'm you know, probably saying that wrong, which is the trial that Ashley was talking about where they had to compete. And there's that too because the the Solsta whatever you know whatever God wins that's the God they worship. And then there is a trial and a bunch of riddles. And then there's a nameless king. And then there's magic stealing. And then there's a reluctant queen. And then she has mommy issues. And then um. There's like dead relatives and they're suspicious about how they died and we got to kill the princess, save my sister. And then we have secret K's and Malik has magic. And it's like so much stuff. I literally finished this book Wednesday and I cannot tell you anything that happened because there's so much going on. I didn't know what to focus on. She needed to just pick a couple things and develop her characters and 
it was it was way too much and it made me not care about the world i i gave up i had to like stop listening to it and i had to go back and read it because you know the vocabulary was different so i had to look at the word on the page so that i could remember it if i heard it again which is you know that's fine but when there's so many of these words then it becomes a problem and i i couldn't keep up with her world and there were some aspects of it that were really cool which is unfortunate because it was drowned out by all this other stuff. So. I don't know. I might have to lower my, my ratings now that I'm like rethinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think I, think I, 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 I agree with you because, because those were just such big issues for me that I was like, okay, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know why I'm still drawn into this. That's why I said, like, if I wouldn't have been listening to it, I probably would have been like, this is taking me forever, forever and ever. Um, So, and then my second biggest issue with the book, I was upset about the tasks that were set for the competitors, right? So they are at Solstasia and, you know, there's a person chosen from each, like, magical God undercovering or whatever. I don't know how else to explain it, but they're all separated into these groups, like where they are born, like whatever day they're born on, that's the God that they worship or whatever it is. Girl, I don't know. I told you, I forgot. Oh, (laughs) I looked it all up because I was like, I have to like, there's so much like Western African, like mythology culture or whatever stuff like in this. I was like, Ooh, okay. Um, but the, that was my second biggest upset was that we're supposed to have this competition and there's three different trials. And I just felt like the trials were not as intense as they should have been. Like the first trial they go on is, um, they had to like find, uh, these masks or whatever it was. And I'm like, they're just finding a mask, really? And then if you just don't get it, you're just eliminated? Like, that's it? It was just, I don't know. I was not I was not happy with the actual competition. And obviously, that was not the overall plot of the story, was not this competition. It was all these other issues and uh, people struggling with X, Y, and Z and doing this and doing that. Like, there was so much content that there wasn't a clear storyline. Mm-hmm. for that and I was really excited about the competition and that was just very poo-poo in the background yeah <laughs> yeah it's the story is very contrived and I I figured that out really quickly because I felt like uh the author was just putting a bunch of stuff it was just a bunch of stuff and there was not a lot of cohesion with the stuff and that was the, that was the big problem. So we have this trial that just comes out of I mean, it doesn't come out of nowhere. He has to he feels like he has to win the trial to get close to her. OK, I get that. But the trial didn't really contribute anything to the story other than creating some kind of forced conflict and then us feeling sympathetic to another guy. And it just didn't. It was just so. It was all just contrived. It was all just a bunch of little stuff added in there to to make the story move along. But it felt forced. 
and just no cohesion. So we didn't need a trial. She could have found another way to get him close to her to kill her. They they could have had what's it called? Would you call it Sol What's it called? Solstasia. 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 <laughs> they could have had Solstasia and just had a big festival, and maybe they met at the festival or something. Maybe it was a masquerade, and you know he had a a, a mask on. You, she didn't need to do all of this extra stuff to get her story out there, and it killed the story. So yeah, um, I did not like any other characters sometimes when i read a story that's really convoluted like this one the saving grace is the characters but karina there was nothing special about her at all she and and the big thing about her that killed me was that she's like really she doesn't really she doesn't want to be queen she's a reluctant queen and she doesn't really pay attention to her studies. She just goes and runs off to town and plays her music. And then when the, when her mom dies, which is not a spoiler, by the way, because it's in the summary, when her mom dies and she has to be queen, I'm supposed to buy that this girl, A, is going to be a great queen when she wasn't paying attention. She didn't really care. And B, she when she was put into the situation, she figured out that politics real quick. And I'm like... But you just go around, play your musical instrument. You really don't care about the politics. But all of a sudden, you are a master mastermind politician. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No. So I didn't like her at all. Yeah, I think I struggled with uh, Malik it, it just very, very much. Um, so, like, Karina, to me, she was, like, your average uh spoiled princess right like like she doesn't she doesn't want to rule she was never supposed to rule it was supposed to be her sister well you know a long time ago too bad yeah something happens to her sister so now it's like she's gotta pull her bootstraps up and guess what you're the next heir oh and by the way there's all this other crap going on that you have no idea about so it's i didn't i didn't like that because yes she was a spoiled princess that was out to she just wanted to play her music and she was trying to save up money to leave and whatever but I didn't like the fact that when all of a sudden it was her turn to rule it was like all right girl like you aren't ready but somehow you just overnight are just embedded with all this knowledge so I completely agree with you there like she doesn't know how to rule properly and yet she's put into that situation and Malik because he was he was too timid, like just because we're supposed to see him as this like super empathetic, like dreamer person, right? Like he is uh, struggling with anxiety and with depression. And like when he has his panic attacks, it brings on these hallucinations. Um, and it's like, you're supposed to feel for him. You're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, like that's terrible. Like there are people who literally struggle with that every single day. And I loved that particular um, use of his, his illness basically, but I didn't like his character. Like he wasn't where he was supposed to be, uh, with the trials and somehow he's always getting in trouble. Um, he's always doing the wrong thing and it's like, but I'm not, I'm not rooting for him to get together with her at all. And he was a whiny bitch. I'm like, dude, if you don't stop 
Crying? I mean, I you know, hey, I'm not into that. Oh, crying is weakness. No, I don't think that. But oh my God, man, we're still crying at the end of the book. Can we? Can we stop with the crying already? He killed me. He got on my nerves so bad. I, I liked his little six-year-old sister better than him. She oh, was funny. He was awful. I didn't like how he used his older sister as his crutch. He used her to center him so much. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like you as a character. You are too meek and like, just, you know, hiding under my shell. I would much prefer when no one saw me type of a thing. Yep. So, yeah. That, I, I would agree with you there. I did have a little bit of issues with those two characters. Big time. I also thought there was insta-love. I was not... This book really relies on their romance, and I it was insta-love. I didn't buy it. I didn't like either of them, so I didn't care about their romance. Yeah, I know it's supposed to be a slow burn romance, this, like, enemy-to-lovers thing. Oh, yeah. I looked, I looked this up. Because I was like, are they supposed to like be in love? Are they not supposed to be in love? I don't know. And so with, because I looked up um, an uh, interview with with, uh, Roseanne and (laughs) she was supposed to, it was supposed to kind of symbolize this slower burning romance. I was like, this is what? Mm Mm-mm. You even classify this as a romance or would you classify this as like there are two individuals with two opposite goals and they're both trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. So they're going to use each other however they need to use each other. Yeah. It's not yeah. a romance. <laughs> no. mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in the spoiler because there's something that happens that you're like, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you love them. Okay. <laughs> Um, I didn't like that that I didn't have a map. I definitely just had to look up a map to, like, visualize where all of these things were. Um, the world was very info-dumped, I feel oh, like. Yeah. There's yeah. so many so many little, like, side trails with uh, the imagery and setting up, the, the like, the scene and all this other stuff. And I'm like, where are we? Like, I don't, I don't get... Where all of these people are coming together, are they separated by a large body of water? Are they all in the same mm-hmm. continent? Is it separated by things? I don't understand. Like, and from the actual picture, when I looked it up, it is definitely separated. Or, sorry, it's definitely all in one land. Like, Zaran is over here. The Debuja, whatever, is, like, right below that. Um, and then a bunch of, yeah, they're just, the the Kismoki, the Tizu, all these other places that aren't even talked about. The Eshron Mountains, the Eshron Mountains are like way over on this side. Um, yeah, it was, it was lots of info dumping and because she made her world so big, she had no choice but to info dump it, but she should not have made her world that big. It's too big. They yeah. keep it simple. And then 
use other devices to expand it. Just I didn't even care about a map because I had given up by more less than midway through. I had I had resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to understand this world. I because once I would read something and I thought I understood something else would happen and then I'll be like, wait, who's this guy again? Oh, it's uh, I gave up. I gave up. <laughs> what was another one of your dislikes? Um, I, I'm going to get to it more in the spoiler edition, but I felt like, well, A, the book was formulaic because I knew who the baddie was immediately. And B, it's Karina's motive was not good. I felt like Malik's Malik's motive to kill her was he needs to get his sister back. Okay. But her motive was terrible. Yeah. It was <laughs> terrible. So I'll talk about that more in the spoiler section. But um, I think that's, well, I, the last thing I put was there was a lot of telling and no showing. There was a lot of telling, um, especially Malik and how the Eshron were discriminated against. And it was just him talking about how he got bullied all the time. We didn't really see it. Um, I, I need to feel your how you feel about being an Eshron. I don't want you to keep telling me because I'm not going to connect with you and your plight. So that was a problem. I also felt like his magic was a deus ex machina. I don't I didn't think it was weaved into the story well at all. It was just another thing. I didn't like that. I had to reread like three times what happened when he was a kid because I wasn't understanding what was happening. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the likes I dislikes I had. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't like anything about it. I, I literally didn't. I only liked one thing, and I'll get to that in our like section, but that's it. I didn't like anything about this book. <laughs> <laughs> I, had a couple, I had a couple likes, okay, because I gave it a, a higher rating, but uh-huh. I really did. Um, my first one that is Probably, I don't know if this is the same as what you thought as well, but I really liked the fact that there was so much time and love poured into the, um, the African folklore. Okay. Like she really put a lot of thought and headache for all of this stuff going on. So like, I applaud her for trying to give us this super West African folklore tale because at the beginning of the, of the book, I felt like I was listening to a story, like a story you would listen to around a campfire. Okay. So like when Malik and his sisters are trying to get into Zoran, um, they like stop at this, uh, storyteller woman, you know, and she's telling the, 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 the tale of the gods and how, uh, you know, Sostasia came to be and all this other stuff. And so like, I really did feel like, even though it was super info dumpy, it did have a flow of like, I'm sitting around listening to a campfire folklore story. And then all this other stuff happened, which is what we talked about in the dislikes. 
section. But that particular section, I really did enjoy that part, even though it was slow. And I was like, okay, come on, let's get to the story. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, since Children of Blood and Bone, there have been a lot of fantasies surrounding like West African like folklore. And so I've read that before. So that wasn't new to me. I read this type of folklore at least five times in different stories. So I was just like, yeah, well, like if you're going to do that and set your story in um, like Western Africa or whatever, like you have to, you have to bring something a little bit different. I mean, there's nothing wrong with using the same plot because stories do it over and over and over again, but you have to set yours apart. You got to do something a little bit different. I mean, even down to her silver hair, the girl in Children of Blood and Bone had silver hair. Like you, you gotta come on. You, you gotta do something a little bit different. It just, yeah. So I, fortunately, I can't agree with that one. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. The only like I had was the I like the the concept. Like I like that we have this kid who has lost everything. In order to get his sister back, he has to kill the princess, who, of course, inevitably he's going to fall in love with. And at the same time, she has to kill him. I thought that was interesting, but the execution was flawed, really flawed. Uh, so that's that's the only thing I liked was the idea. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you there. Um, I think I put in my notes, loved the backstabbing. Yep, literally, word for word, loved the backstabbing. Um, between the both of them, I really enjoyed that. And then there were a couple other backstabbing moments with some secondary characters that we can discuss in the spoiler section that I was like, oh, 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 okay, that's happening. Okay. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I, I did like that because I wasn't ready for it. I didn't pick up on it. Um, and that probably was because I was trying to focus on all this fol- folklore going on. So I didn't see like all those underlying tones of, um, who was actually the villain in the story. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my next big like that I had was there was some real life struggles in this book. Um, meaning, uh, with Malik in particular, because he struggles with anxiety um, and destructive low self-esteem and all of that stuff, um, I liked the fact that uh, Rosanne Brown actually struggles with that itself from her own personal life experiences. And so the way that like Malik's panic attacks and um, his anxiety and all of that and how it is focused on within the book it was nice to see that the reason why it was in there was because the author had also struggled with that from her own personal experiences and she quotes that she's hoping that anyone who's ever been in this situation before where they've had to choose between their own mental well-being and the greater good slash needs of other people around them will see themselves in Malik so when I looked that up I was like oh I th- I can actually agree with that because I like I felt sorry for him in some areas. Now, did I like that he was very timid? No, um, but when he was having those actual attacks where he would have to like 
tell himself to stay here, to stay present, to stay like sane or, or, or whatever. He had this like mantra that he repeated to himself. That to me was like, I could physically see myself in a situation of having a panic attack and being like, okay, just take a deep breath. And you're, you, what, what you're seeing is not real. Like you're hallucinating. You, you are here to stay in your body, stay present. Don't float off into nothing. Like just stay right here type of the thing. Um, so I really did like that part in particular, but, and I liked the fact that the author was trying to relate herself into one of her characters for other people to see their, that they're not struggling alone if they were struggling. Mm-hmm. So that's my last like that I have. Yeah. My only critique with that is like, I totally missed that. Um, I knew that he had some anxiety, but I didn't notice that it was like crippling for him. And I think it's because there was so much other stuff going on. I, I didn't know what to focus on. And so I chose to not focus on that. Um, once again, she needs an editor. Like Lee Bardugo puts her, her physical afflictions in her books all the time. And the one thing you remember about Kaz is his cane and he doesn't like to touch people. Like we remember that specifically about him because that was a part of him and the story, even though there was other things going on, it didn't get drowned out. So I felt like all of the anxiety with Malik was just drowned out by all the other stuff. She just needs an editor. She has a good idea. Her writing style isn't terrible, but she she needs an editor. She needs someone to be like, girl, you need to cut this out and this out and this out and focus. I feel like that's a big issue with debuts. They want to put so much in their books. They're so excited. They want to tell this great story and they don't know how to edit. All right. So that's all your likes. Those are all of my likes. So I think we can move on to our spoiler edition. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. If you are going to leave for the, uh, so you don't have to hear the spoiler edition. Our next podcast, we now podcast every other week. And our next book is Bared to You by Sylvia Day. And we have decided to try modern erotica. I think last time it was more historical. I don't know that genre, historical fiction. Erotica. <laughs> uh, yeah. So now we're going to do like modern day. This was written immediately after Fifty Shades of Grey. So, yeah, we're going to be doing that next. So if you've read it, join us. If not, read it and join us. Other than that, we'll catch you the next podcast. If you are staying with us for the spoiler edition, we are starting in 54321. 54321. <laughs> um, I let you lead this and because I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have much to say. So, so I'll let you go. I really I wanted to talk about the fact that, okay, so when Karina comes into power, right? So her, her mom has been assassinated and she's, um, wanting to basically resurrect her mother from the dead because she's like, I can't do this at all. Like I'm not fit to rule. I don't want it. I don't want to do it at all. Um, and then she basically gets put into, her queenliness spot and is like, well, you ain't got a choice because you're all we got right now. And so she's like, all right, well, little do you know that I'm sneaking around talking to like 
you know, a bunch of psychics trying to raise my mother from the dead. And I'm going on this crazy manhunt for all of these crazy items. Um, she most definitely rigs the competition. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this whole Solstasia competition, that's supposed to be the sacred thing. And they're all chosen, you know, to compete or whatever. Malik basically, I think it's uh, he wills his want into being a competitor. And so I didn't quite agree with that little point right there because I was like, how did he just like will himself to be chosen? Okay. Oh, no. How, how do we just go? If I think about it hard enough, I'll get chosen because, you know, the great whatever that being was, the. Um, Karina's grandfather, who's like some crazy old dragon thing. <laughs> I'll explain him. You know, it's like, you have to get close to the princess to kill her. And in order to do that, you need to become a competitor in Solstasia. Okay, so I'm going to just will myself into this little position here to then get chosen. And then Karina ends up just rigging the whole entire competition to who do I want to die the least? Okay, so whoever I don't want to die the least, I'm going to save them. But yet she's faced with the two people. One is her new potential romance, so she always just keeps to keep running into this guy because he's always there because he's trying to kill her so he can get his sister back. Ugh. You know, and then she's got her old lover that she ends up marrying. And it's like, what? And then she can see herself with him? What? But she didn't want to be with him? I don't understand. And so this whole entire competition, I'm like, if nothing is left to fate, everything is rigged 110%. And I was like, not okay with that. Because it was all about whatever she wanted she chose to get because she's trying to gain the heart of a king and in order to have the heart of a king you have to marry a boy who becomes the king and then you have to kill him to get his heart this whole entire thing um so yeah i heard this whole neurocluency or whatever wanting to bring her mom back to life and all that stuff it was just like what is happening well, this is what I was saying in the spoiler-free edition when I was saying that Malik Malik's conflict makes sense. His sister has been taken. The nameless king needs to get back in power. He finds a weak guy and Malik, he takes his sister. In order to get his sister back, you have to kill the queen. And he has he's desperate. His so his motive is understandable. Hers, on the other hand, is shit. And here's why. <laughs> As the reader who has read many books. Basically, I can figure out that at some point, Karina is going to figure out that, you know what? I don't need my mommy, who I never liked from the begin with, to resurrect. I don't need to resurrect her and kill someone to do it to be queen. I can be queen. I know that's going to happen. So it kills the story for me immediately because I know it's going to happen. I don't care about all the other bullshit that's going on in between because I know eventually she's going to come to that realization, which she does. And then what? So she doesn't have a really strong motive here to kill anybody. 
I don't care about her story and trying to kill him because I know she's not going to. So that right there just killed it. It killed it from the beginning for me. And I just kind of stopped caring because once again, I knew that at some point she was going to grow because this is her opportunity for her character to grow to be like, oh, you know what? I can lead myself. I don't need my mom to do it. So I hated all of that. Oh, that to me was the lamest coming to your moment type of thing. Like she just all of a sudden just grew overnight and it all happened the moment she married to what's his name to to something. I don't remember his name. Okay. The boy that she chose to marry over Malik. So then that way she could kill him, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has this realization moment after they've like sealed their, you know, their union and she can now see like kids of him and like, Oh, I can rule and it's fine. And I'm like, what is going on? Because the whole entire time she's been pining to kill someone so she can get this last bit of, uh, materials to resurrect her mom. And it's just like, honey, you can't raise someone from the dead. It don't work. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, it don't work like that. <laughs> Even in fancy, it don't work like that. Once they're dead, they're dead. And they've been dead for a while. <laughs> yep. And it wasn't even like she tried to do this like overnight. It was this whole week-long process. And I'm just like, the body, the soul is gone. There's nothing left. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're going to some witch doctor that's like, oh, if you get these three items, I'm like, what type of crap are you buying into? It's no, mm-mm. I don't know. And everybody knows that in every book I've ever read, with the exception of maybe Gideon the Ninth, necromancy is bad. It, is. it never ends well. We all know it. We've all read a fantasy book. Necromancy is bad. No one likes the necromancer. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, the sister comes back as a psycho. Oh, well, here you go. It's like, oh, come on, come on. Not really her. It's a demon inhibiting her body who wants oh. to live. Of course, it's necromancy. Have you seen the mummy returns? Well, that's exactly what happened. I, you just unleash this beast. I just, I was so mad about that part. Um, so, okay, let's talk about Fareed, okay? So this Fareed dude is like secondhand advisor to the queen. He was brought in because he was orphaned when he was little, you know, has been raised like a brother. He was in love with Hanan, who was Karina's sister, but Hanan dies in a terrible fire. Okay. And so all along, he is trying to do the same exact thing as Karina, but he's trying to raise Hanan. <laughs> But you know what? His motive was way stronger than Karina's. Oh, I know. He loved her. He loved her. I know. And he hated the mom and everything she was up to. So his motive made so much more sense than Karina's did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he, I did not pine him as someone who was like psychotically, you know, influenced by necromancy. <laughs> like, 
what is happening? Because to me, he came off as like a super well, calm, collect guy that's, he just lost the only mother he's ever like known in his life right now. And now he's left to rule with the sister that he did not want to be with because the one that he wanted to be with is now dead. So I could understand his bleeding broken heart when like the queen dies and all this other stuff. And then when he turns on her, I'm like, what? I saw that coming in when he opened his mouth. I was like, oh, well, he's the baddie. It's I, always the unsuspecting one. And all those okie dokes that Roseanne was trying to pull with that other counselor. Being, I was like, that's bullshit. I know it's free. Just get to it. It's so obvious. Oh, no, I missed it 100%. I thought it was her, um, her servant girl. Oh, I saw that one too when she tried to. They should once again. Uh, Roseanne tried to pull the okie doke. I was like, no, she's not a baddie. She's gonna. She's gonna do a double, double, triple agent. I knew. I saw that coming too. No, I thought it was her a hundred percent, and I was like, what? And I think I just wrote off Fareed. Like that was my bad. I think I just like wrote him <laughs> off and was like okay, you're just trying to keep your head in your position. You're going to do whatever you can to make that work and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then when I saw, I was like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so for me, I guess that that particular plot twist, I was taken by surprise. And I think that that's why I gave it, you know, the rating that I did is was because of that. I didn't, I didn't expect that. Yeah. But I also didn't like that, like, it wasn't just Fareed as the villain. It was also her great-grandfather that was, like, pissed that his wife, who was the goddess of whatever uh, something, uh, killed their son. So he's been trying to gain vengeance on this line of Karina's family ever since. So they've, like, blocked off the kingdom so she can't go anywhere, which is like, where did that come from? What do you mean she can't go anywhere? I don't understand. Why is there some hidden pathway underneath this whole entire city that she finds out after her mom died, or sorry, before the, the night that her mother dies is the night that she learns about her history as a Zeranian. And I'm like, no, no. No, 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 no. If you were supposed to be the next ruler, okay, and your mom ruled with an iron fist, she was supposed to be this very um, uncomfy, like, character, right? You let, like, you don't love her. You're not emotional for her. She's supposed to be standoffish. And then it comes found that she's so in love with her daughter and that she really wanted the best for her. And she's on her side and her heart was just broken because her husband and her daughter die because, you know, it was really Karina's magic that did it. I'm um, sorry. What? Karina has magic. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah. But um, you're just proving the point of the doing too much itis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So with something was going on with Karina because she had consistent headaches. Oh, yeah. Consistent headaches. And mind you, we just read House of Dragons by Jessica Cluis, okay? Like, and so when I was hearing about these headaches and this tension building up, I'm like, she got magic. Where's it coming? Mm-hmm. And then we kept bringing about, like, the, the death of her sister and her dad and whatever and all this stuff. And I'm like, so she killed him. Okay. 
Like that to me wasn't a big surprise because everyone disregarded her anytime it was her, her headaches came up and they were just like, Oh, you need to go lay down before you kill somebody. Do you know what they're thinking? <laughs> you need to go rest a little bit. And then there's like the, this hidden lost people that have like the marks on them and all this stuff. What was her general's name? That was, Oh, what was her name? That like, I want to call them like the black knights, but they're not the black. Knights. <laughs> Once again, I don't remember anything that like take her away at the end of the book. And they're like, Oh, you're going to go live with your people who actually have this power. What? So, um, yeah, where, um, what did you think of the hyena woman? Was that the maid? Mm -mm. She was the one who told a story at the beginning and she consistently was intervening with Malik when he was having like breakdowns and I don't know how to win this competition to kill the princess because I have to kill her so I can give or get, get my sister back, whatever. Do you remember? She was, I, yeah, I remember some of that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't have an opinion. I, I, it, it's, he got a lot of help, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, I guess he would need help. He doesn't know anything. So he has to get it from somewhere. But at the same time, he didn't really do anything on his own. Somebody had to tell him what and how to do almost everything. That gets old after a while. Because as a reader, I'm thinking to myself, once again, I'm supposed to believe that this guy is going to defeat whatever when he has to have everybody tell him what to do. No, you can't set your character up as a weak person and expect the reader to buy in to that. He's going to become the hero. So I, all everything about Malik was just even his little magic. And even when you were talking about the beginning of the spoiler edition, how he just kind of willed himself into the competition Okay, and now he's got he's probably the most powerful person in this whole world now because of course he is. He's the chosen one, of course. Mm-hmm. Give me a break. Um yeah, his magic was very convenient. It came on conveniently and I didn't really like it. Yeah, and that was another thing too is that like I understand that I think I think what she was trying to do, Brown, I think, I think Brown was trying to make it so his magic was seen as him defeating his anxiety. So like the things that used to plague him before were now his greatest strengths. Like I see like why that happened. I get, I get that, but I didn't feel like that was gained from his own personal experience because he had someone consistently holding his hand and telling him like, "Mm, you might want to do this. Mm, You might want to go over here because this is what's going to happen. And then like the race just start helping him all of a sudden when they've done nothing but inflict pain before and fear. Mm -hmm. 
like that we didn't make any sense. Like they're just all of a sudden going to help him, you know? And then like, there's this one scene with him in the hyena where, where he learns about this hyena lady. Um, when she tells him to that, if you're unhappy with this ending to make a new one. And like, there were some good quotes like that throughout the book that I did appreciate because it wasn't, I didn't feel like we were sitting next to someone having a conversation in like our day and age. Like it was, it was well written in those moments mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like, Oh, well, if you don't like it, then just change it. Like, and she's trying to teach him, like, just because a story has been told doesn't mean that it always has to end that way. Like you are the one who can change your future and whatever. And like, okay, I get that. Um, but I didn't like that he always just had exactly what he needed in that moment. Um, the one part I did enjoy with him struggling with what he was given and what he wasn't given was that he actually stabs her. Like, I was very happy that he stabbed her. It wasn't like, oh, I can't believe he did that. Isn't he supposed to love her? I was like, yes, finally, a good character is actually following through on the plan that he was set out to do. Regardless of his feelings for her, he was ultimately trying to get his sister back. And he would do whatever it took to get her back, even if it meant that he had to die himself to do that. Mm-hmm. And so like that, I was like, thank you so much for not making this. I love them too much. I don't want to kill them. He stabs her and she should have died. But the whole power over the city was like, oh, you ain't going to die because you're like the heiress here. It's fine. Like we've got like special healing powers, <laughs> you know, and like that whole thing happened. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, but that part I was very, very happy about. And I know some people are like, oh, I can't believe he stabbed her. Oh my goodness. Like I love him even more. I'm like, no, he's just stabbing her because he wants his sister back. Yeah. I actually love her right now. So I think I had one more other quote um, that I, oh my gosh, I was laughing so hard at this line. And this was when this was towards the end of the book and the hyena is now talking to Karina, which somehow now she's speaking to Karina, which I don't even remember how that happened. But her words to her were, you look like someone pissed in your favorite watering hole. And I'm like, what is this? The lion King happening And I don't know why it was funny, but it was like there's some really well written parts of this book. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think overall, this whole like Karina having store magic wasn't really spoken about, and I was kind of upset about like a- about that. And I want to know what's going to happen next because it does re- um, leave us with you know, a cliffhanger, like they're both going to see each other again soon. It's been told, you know, and it's like, but now, um, Malik now is siding with Fareed out of nowhere to gain help because I guess Fareed also has this power of race. 
you know? And I was like, I'm so unhappy with that. But, but I was also happy with it because it was not your average ending to a story. Yeah. I was like, what is he thinking? Is he that stupid again? You know? <laughs> It's like now I want to read that for me personally. I know you probably don't want to, but for me personally, I want to read the second one because I want to see like, well, how, how dumb are you? Like you are, you know, Eshron coming into the Zorani like country and like you're trying to be escape refugees and now you're siding with someone who is psychotic, just raised his dead girlfriend from the grave. And guess what? It's not really her. But now you're wanting to battle together? What? I don't get that. He still doesn't have his sister back, though, right? So maybe that's why? Nadia back. He got her back. Because technically, he kills the dragon. Because the dragon, remember, it, like, infests himself into Malik. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's why Fareed. So maybe it's it's really the dragon that's siding with Fareed and not Malik. I forgot that Fareed. Because yep. he's had. not technically dead. He's still in Fareed's body. Yeah. You know, no body, no daddy, as you say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, overall, I don't. I don't know, like as Don stated at the beginning of this podcast, there are definitely some better written novels by black authors. Um, I think if you like this whole tagline of, you know, a black princess who doesn't give a fuck and a black boy who gives so many fucks, slow burning enemies to lovers romance with all the stat backstabbing, sure, go for it. Who but, wrote that tagline? That's not on the board. This one lady, Jules, wrote this. Oh, um, Goodreads. I was just, I was reading through other people's comments. You know, I, I always do like an author background check and all this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm like trying to see if all of this like lines up. And like Brown most definitely hypes up her book as like, as that. Like it's supposed okay. to be like main female protagonist is like, Mm, I don't care about nobody. I'm doing whatever I want, you know? Um, and like, like I said, she does write that she wanted to have this as an enemies to lovers, slow burn romance. Holly is definitely a slow burn. The almost no burn. It's like this little itty bitty of a flame. <laughs> if she wants to read a slow burn, she needs to read some Mary E. Pearson books because those are slow burn enemies to lovers. Yeah. I don't know what this was. Mm-hmm. This is not that. Mm-hmm. I would agree a hundred percent on this statement because Mary E. Pearson is the queen of a slow burn. Yeah. Enemies to lovers mm-hmm. too. A hundred percent. Well, I'm excited to see what you think of Baird to You. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you any hints as to how I felt. So, yep. I would love to see your face during some, some moments <laughs> as you're... Yep. <laughs> because, <laughs> yep. Yep. How I'm going to say about that. Uh, yeah, so July is our romance novel month. Mm-hmm. We've deemed it to be so. 
What was the one you chose that we're reading that right after? The Bromance Book Club. Bromance Book Club. Okay. By Lisa K. Adams. So. All right. Yeah, that's it. So join us in July because we are going to be doing our romance month. That probably has some really bad romance novels. (laughs) So if any of you have some good romance erotica novels for us to read that is not anything with Moss or Fifty Shades, let us know. Yes, please, please, please let us know. (laughs) Neither one of us reads romance like that and we need recommendations badly. Because apparently (laughs) we don't know how to assign good authors. (laughs) This genre. Nope. All right. You want to do the outro? I don't even know what it is. I did. So thank you so much for listening to our book review of A Song of Rakes and Ruins by Roseanne A. Brown. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and we can't wait to catch up with you in our July podcast in a few weeks. Bye. Bye.